Well, good morning. My name's Amber, and I haven't had the chance to meet you. I am one of the pastors here. It's so good to be here together. I hope that when you walked in, you got a bulletin. And on the back, uh, you'll see what looks like a tic-tac-toe board, but it is not. We are going to um, use that today in the message. But each week when we come in, we ask for you to have, uh, for every person to grab a bulletin so that we can uh, gather information if you need it, if, you, if your information's changed. If you're here for the first time, we'd love to be able to connect with you. I know, you can't, I know. Let's, well... Okay, okay. Aesthetics are going to have to go away. It's okay. I'm, I move my hands a lot. Okay. It's okay. Is that better? Sorry. Wardrobe malfunction. Um, anywho, um, what was I saying? Oh, so on the back of the back of your Connect card each week, there's a place for you to respond, to share prayer requests and praises. And so we like to celebrate life together and journey through life together. So we take these cards very seriously. So please, when the offering, uh, when we collect our offering after the message, that would be your time to put this in there. Also on the back of the bulletin, there's our hope happenings part. And that's where you can just kind of keep up with the near, very near future things going on. And it also has our texting number for you to, you can opt in to receive texts that keep you up to date on all things going on in the church. You can text Loop. But before we get started, would you please uh, join me in a word of prayer? God, we, uh, we come before you in awe of your goodness and your grace and your love in our lives. We recognize that every person in this room comes to this space with a whole lot of life going on. Uh, We know that every person that we meet is a beloved child of yours created in your image. And so I pray that we extend your love and grace to all those that we come in contact today. I pray that your spirit is felt in this place. We know you are here. And I pray that the words of my mouth and the meditation of all of our hearts be acceptable and pleasing in your sight. Amen. Well, if you are uh, just joining us or... or, um, are uh, been here for a while, you know that we're in a series entitled Made for More, and we've been looking at the book of Ephesians and asking the question, um, what if there's more to this life than this life? What if I was made for more than what I see? And um, we are really um, diving into what the book of Ephesians has to say for us. And we said at the very beginning, the book of Ephesians is like a universal book for the church, that it was written by Paul um, to a group of churches in Ephesus, but it is definitely um, a a book that is great for instruction for the church as it relates to calling, our personal calling and calling as 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 a church body, and also how we live that out. What is the purpose and the function of the church, and how do we live that out in the world? A little bit about me. I have been serving in the local church for over 15 years. I have um, served in different, um, several different churches, created and designed worship services. I've um, been to conferences. I've led trainings on how does the church body function. So when I got to preach this week on Ephesians 4, Ephesians 4, I was super excited because this is like, I love this book. And a couple things that I've noticed, uh, first of all, about the local church, which I love the local church. I love all of the various expressions of the local church, even the crazy Baptists. Love them. Love them. Now, I was a Baptist. I grew up Baptist, so I can say that. Like, I have a great love in my heart for my Baptist brothers and sisters. 
No, but um, the church is a hope of the world, but I don't know about you, but I read in the media and I read um, about churches that are closing at staggering rates. I don't know if you're aware. They, they, there's like hundreds of churches, that cl- hundreds, thousands of churches that close every month. And, um, and the, what they say is the church doors are closing. And that's a little ironic because when I read scripture, church doesn't have the limitations of a building. Church was never designed to be a place that would have a door that would close, right? So, so then, what are, then what are we supposed to make of that? Like, is the church dying, or should we be scared? And I, I'm here to tell you today, and I hope that when you leave here today, you're going to understand, we do not need to be scared because we know the end of the story. The church is, is plan A. The church is the hope of the world. The church will prevail. Nothing will stop the church. So then we're left with the question, why are church doors closing? And I think I have some ideas about that. Um, I think you might, uh, maybe, maybe you would agree with me, that um, maybe the way that we have designed church, and we've been talking about this, that we say we go to church, right? I go to this church. And we said the church is not a place we go. The church is not a, a building. It's a body. It's an identity. And so it was never meant to just be the way that we've designed it. See, we've said the church is a, a building. Where do you go to church? So we go to 2585 Deborah Drive. And so then people come to church, right? They go, okay, what is this life-giving, um, amazing uh, plan that God has for his people? And they come in, and they don't experience life. And we've limited it to this building or, or one lead pastor or however it's been structured. And I don't think that is God's plan for us. I think that we can do better, and I think we're made for more. Now, if you are here for the first, maybe this is your first time stepping foot back into a church. You've been gone for a while. And I want to say, welcome. And you are in a great place. This is an amazing body of believers. And maybe you've been here a thousand times and say, I'm glad you're here today. We are all, all welcome. Maybe you are here and you are grieving. We've got some dear friends who lost family members this weekend. And I want to say I'm so glad you're here. Thank you for being here. Because we get to be here together and love one another and shepherd one another and care for one another in the hardest times of our lives. Now, the other side of the church body, and this isn't, and if, if you're alive and breathing, you know that all of the criticism the church comes under. But oftentimes, the church operates like this 80-20 rule, which we've heard about, where 20% of the people do right, and that's everywhere you go, right? Right? And that's not the, the plan either, right? That's not what God intended for us either. We come in and we think um, this, this bystander effect takes place, right? Like if we're in a room full of people and something happens and we're like, oh, well, I'm, I'm assuming someone else is going to step in and take care of that. You know, we, we say oftentimes the church is a hospital for sinners. And, you know, that's true. Like it is a place where we can come sick and broken and in need of healing and a savior, right? Like that. That is absolutely true. But who wants to stay sick? I mean, we don't go to a hospital and hope to just stay in the hospital. 
I mean, we want to get there, we want to get well, we want to listen to the doctors, we want to get healing, and we want to move on, right? So I'm not saying, like, leave the church, like, leave this body, but I'm, I'm saying the hope, the idea is that we come here to get better, to learn, to grow. Like, this is where we come. This is the training ground for the mission that God has set us on. And I've heard, and you've probably heard, and maybe you've said, and I think I've probably even said before, I've left a certain church body or I've been involved with a, a church body and I've said, I think it's time for me to go because I'm not getting fed. I think that's a byproduct of bystander. Um, I have two dogs, Hope, and we got a new puppy, if you don't know this. His name's Jack. Uh, side note, don't ever get a puppy in the winter. Terrible idea. Potty training, not fun. But if my dog, I, I put food down for my dogs twice a day. And I will put the food down, and they're finicky. They're not like really good dogs who just like eat it all up at one time. They'll like sometimes like turn their nose up and walk away. And I'm like, eat your food. Just eat, eat. We have to like take them, put them back at the dish. Eat your food, eat your food, eat, eat. I mean, it's ridiculous. But I put the food down for them to eat. Like, and so what I'm going to say to you today is I'm going to put some food out. I want you to eat it, okay? Church, eat the food. You hear me? Speaking of food, you know I like cake. Talked about cake before. So we're looking at this book of Ephesians. And I think of um, Ephesians like this like, delicious like, layered cake. Like three layers of just goodness. And think of like your favorite cake. Like is it chocolate with like the big thick like chocolate ganache like middle layers and all that? Or maybe it's vanilla with strawberry. I mean, but I think of like Ephesians like this multiple layered cake that's just like full of rich goodness. So I'm hoping you're going to eat it up today. As we look into Ephesians and what God has called his church to be who God has called his church to be, and it is great to be here together. And I know we had our, our congregational meeting a couple weekends ago and shared the vision for what we think God is calling us to And we heard from the people in the room, and I know that you believe we are called for more. You believe you are called for more. We believe it, but then we go, what, what do we do with that? So we're going to learn a little bit about that today. So layer one of this delicious cake that we find in Ephesians, we talk about um, how, do we, uh, how are we made for more, how do we know this, and we looked in, at Ephesians 1, and the, it's to bring Jesus everywhere, to help bring Jesus, Jesus is already everywhere, but we are to bring the fullness of Christ who fills everything everywhere. So fullness is universal. So this idea, this first layer is this like universal fullness, that Jesus is the foundation of this, of this layer, right? He, he wasn't just Jesus the Galilean. He wasn't just Jesus the son of Mary. Jesus is universal. He's the resurrected Christ. He came and he lived among us, and then he ascended into the heavenly realms, which means he is over everything, everywhere. Ephesians 1, 23 reads, And God placed all things under his feet and appointed him to be head, head over everything for the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills everything in every way. And we said the first week that there is nowhere you can go that Jesus isn't already. 
this idea of a vessel of water that fills every nook and cranny of society. Like Jesus is so, so big that everything's under his footprint. And we are housed in the fullness of God. In the book of Revelation, John writes about this vision, this encounter he has with Jesus. And the book of Revelation is really hard to read. But he's talking about Jesus um, lighting up the lampstands of the seven churches. And he's walking among them. And his eyes are like fire. And he's like lighting up these churches. The church, us. In process, so like, it, like it is so big and so out there and so mystical and amazing. But just know that we are housed in the fullness of Jesus, who fills everything, everywhere. So fullness—it's universal. The second layer that we see is that it's personal. Like God cares so much about us. And John talked about that priest who was walking along the streets and he would lift up the drunkards who were passed out after a night of, of, um, of just reckless abandon and he would lift them up and he would say, you were meant to house the fullness of God. You were created for more. God has something good for you. Ephesians 3, it said, and I pray you, being rooted and established in love, may have the power of the Holy Spirit, together with all of the Lord's holy people, the church, to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ, and to know his love, to know his love, that it surpasses knowledge. Like, it's just beyond what we can control. Like, we, we don't deserve it. We can't earn it. He loves me anyway. Yes. Yeah. This is good news that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. And then fullness is ecclesial, which is just another word for church. The fullness of the church is other, this other layer, you, me, we, right? And uh, we, Eric uh, talked about that, that we are God's handiwork, and he had this vessel, and create, we were created for something special, something unique. God created in advance for us to do good works, good works. Guess what? And this is like your special masterpiece mission. Like only you can do it. Like you do you, I'll do me, but only you can do you. No one else can. There's, there'll never be another you. There'll never be another you. And then as we look into this, we say, okay, this is great. We know this information. God's everywhere. We're meant to um, house the fullness of God and bring, um, be a light into the world so that Jesus can fill every nook and cranny. So Ephesians 4, 11 through 13 is really what we're going to look at today. And it answers the question, why? Why? It says, Christ gave himself the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, and teachers so that so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. So that the body may be built up in order to reach unity and maturity. So how are we going to do that? It says he gives us five gifts, and he gives us this A-pest uh, uh, model here, which is what we're going to uh, dive into here. And so I'm going to use my whiteboard. I love whiteboards. Like, love them. So you can fill out on your, on your sheet right here. My hands can't. 
I have sweaty hands. Thank you. It's blue. Okay. Works. All right. So he has given the church. Okay. We got this. Can you guys see this? Did I tell you I'm excited about having a whiteboard? I'm excited. Okay. Make sure I get Okay, so you're going to fill it out on your sheet, all right? He gives us, oh, man. Yeah, I have terrible handwriting. Okay. Okay, so we're going to go through these real quick. Now, on your sheet, as you fill in each one of these, uh, we're going to talk about these gifts, uh, this fivefold giftingness that he gives to the church. As we ex- uh, explain what each one is, feel free to, like, star what you think maybe fits you, what's maybe, uh, what maybe speaks to you a little bit, because this is what we're told that we do. Uh, one more thing, too, before we go there. Um, when we started this message series, we said, uh, we had this phrase, this motto that we said. So this is how we know. We're told we're, we're called to house the fullness of God, and that we are the church. So we said, we don't go to the church. I am the church, and the church goes with me. Can you say that together? I don't go to church. I am the church, and the church goes with me everywhere. And so how does that happen? So, apest. The first word, I'm not going to fill in the blank here. You'll do that on your page. First one is the apostle. It says the apostle, and the apostle is one who expands, um, extends. They're, they're the pioneers. They're sending, extending. They're entrepreneurial. Another word would be ap- apostolic. Um, the prophet. The prophet is the one who questions and critiques. Uh, they're like the moral compass. Uh, they fight for justice. They call out when there's injustice. They question systems of power, and they, um, they are good at critiquing mission drift. They protect the marginalized, often prophetic is the word we would use for that. An evangelist is one who recruits to the cause, who shares the good news of the kingdom of God, they reach out, they include the seeker, they proclaim the gospel. Now, the uh, pastor is the word that they've used in scripture. Another word that translated would be shepherd. And they're one who cares for and provides nurture and health for the community. And they make sure, I love this, that the task doesn't trump the relationship. You know those people who are like, they're just so good and caring for others. And then you know the people who are like, but oh, come on, we got some, we got work to do. Um, that's that, shepherding. And the teacher is the one who explains and organizes and shares ideas. They've got uh, sound doctrine, clear teaching, effective processes, systems, strong values. Teaching would be that. And I would say that Jesus functioned perfectly in all of these roles. We wonder, did Jesus house this a pest? model, and I would say, yes, we read in Romans that says, for from him and through him and for him are all things, all things from Jesus. And so we know this. How do we know that this, that Jesus did? It's through his ministry. So um, the ministry that we read of when Jesus um, came from the Virgin Mary, he was born, he lived among us, the ministry of Christ is... M-O-X, Ministry of Christ. That'll be your first thing you fill in there. 
So we look at Jesus' ministry and what he did to see is if we're supposed to be little Christ everywhere we go and, and spread what Jesus did, we look at his ministry. So let me ask you, is Jesus an apostle? Did he have apostleship? Well, he is the sent one. He's eternally sent. He's the missionary sent by Father. He's the author, the pioneer, and the perfecter of our faith. I think he's the ultimate apostle. Was he the prophet? Yeah, he cared for justice. He wanted to set the captives free. I mean, he was an incredible prophet. He's an evangelist. Well, he is the good news. I mean, you couldn't be any more evangelical than Jesus. And the shepherd says he is the good shepherd. He is the good shepherd and teacher. He's our rabbi. The Lord, he's the smartest man to ever, ever, ever live. So I would say, and I think you would agree, that Jesus' ministry, Jesus housed, housed all of this. Would you agree? So we, we learn that Jesus comes and he, he lives out his ministry for us and then he ascends into the heavenly realms. And when he does that, we're told that he um, gives his body, which we read in um, 11 through 13, that he then gives gifts to his, the body of Christ. So that is, and by the way, X is an appropriate abbreviation for Christ, just so you know. The ministry of Christ, the body of Christ. So we we see Jesus, he, he then ascends, he gives his, his ministry to his believers so in order that they could attain the fullness of Christ. Mox, box, fox. Fullness of Christ. With the idea that we would be full of what he has given us so that it would overflow and go. His great commission as he was leaving was that we would go into all the world and make disciples, preaching the good news to all nations. And so then we have this. Right? And we're called to do this. Does that make sense? I'm not done. Does that make sense? Are you with me? You're with me? So, here's my question. If we are called to house, and that looks like an E. That's good enough. Um, we are, we're called to be full, unity in Christ, full to overflowing. And so I want to ask you, as we look at these different giftings, Apostle, prophet, evangelist, shepherd, teacher. How do you think the church is doing in those areas? So I think um, if you think about the Western church and you look at the different giftings, can you think of maybe the top two that are lived out primarily? Feel free to tell me. Yep. What else? Yeah. I think primarily our model of church kind of lives in the shepherd teaching area, probably even the E as well, but more shepherd teaching. So when we say, if we want to know if a church is fully mature and we only see two or three, 
I think we might have some work to do. I mean, a system needs to have all of its parts functioning for it to work properly, for it to be fully mature. You know, I've heard over the years, people have said, I don't like organized religion. I've heard that before. And I would say, would you prefer disorganized religion? See, God is a God of order. He took chaos and made order. And he made beautiful things. If, as a show of hands, let me just say this, thinking of systems and, and that, how many of you believe that you are unique? It's a little bit of a trick question, but you're unique, right? There's no one like you. However, how many of you are human? <laughs> how many of you are human? Okay. Before you put that one up there, hold on. Oh, did it come through? It might not. Oh, it might have. Okay. Um, can you name the systems, the human systems in your body that are the same? Oh, dear Lord. Um, I was thinking skeletal system. <laughs> Respiratory system, circulatory system, nervous system, cardiovascular system. Did we say that already? Okay, you can put that picture up. Is it there? Yeah. Digestive system. Okay, so I think maybe we could agree that we all, we all have similar, uh, we are all, all at the basic core are, are the same. Now, what happens if one system goes down? kind of, you, you don't feel good, right? Or two systems, you're sick, probably end up in the hospital. I mean, how many systems can break before you, you die? Like three or four? I don't know, right? God gave us a system for the church. He, he gave us this five-fold giftings. He says to use this to build up the body and equip the church. If we are only maturing in two of the, of the five systems, then we've got a problem, and we've got some work to do here. And here's the beautiful thing. No one person can do this. No one person could come in and live all of these out in a good way. Only Jesus was able to do this himself. And so when we bring in a leader of a church, you hire myself and John and Eric and we get these titles and um, but guess what? Even we don't even fully fill this out. In fact, the idea of leading a church and being the lead pastor or whatever, we probably need to kind of flip it because the truth is you are on the front lines of ministry. Like you are in the mission field. In fact, my job is to submit to the authority of Jesus as the head of the church, and I am, your, I am the servant leader. I exist to equip you for what God has called you to. And we come in this building and we'll go, I don't know what to do. I, I, um, I, I, I want God to use me. And then you'll ask like, us to create a ministry or do something so you can like, fill in the blank. And I just want to go, you know that God, the one that has like, fire coming from his eyes and lighting everything up? You should probably ask him what it is you should do. And then seek his face and, and find people to help you discern that. And then let us know because we exist to help you. Because... Think of, where, think of the reach of the church based on where you live and work and play. Like, a lot, like come in this building and our reach is, is limited in these walls. Alone, yes, we can do great things. Alone, you can do great things. But together is a force that cannot be stopped.
Jesus is actively walking among his church. He is actively walking. He is lighting fire. The church is not dying. The model might be changing. But it is not dying. It is not in danger. You know, there is a story, and um, we talk about um, this bystander complex. Like, how, how do we know when to activate what we're, what's going on? And there's a story of a woman, a 49-year-old woman named Esmond Green. Several years ago, she was brought into an emergency room, and she, wait, she waited there for 24 hours. And you can see the cameras on her, and as she's sitting there, and you can watch the time lapse go, and as she's slumping further in her seat, and people are walking by, she's not attended to at all. There's a, there's a security guy, there's a nurse, there's people in the waiting room, and you, eventually she slumps over and falls on her face on the floor in the emergency room. And then you, and you see her, like, convulse, and she dies. Right, right in, the, in the hospital waiting room. And it took an hour for a nurse to come and check her pulse and notice she had died. I'm not making it up. Psychology Today calls this a bystander effect, and it happens when the presence of others discourages an individual from intervening in a situation. This is like being a part of a large crowd makes it uh, so that no single person has to take action. You know, they're sitting there and they're thinking, this person's sick, I'm in a hospital, this is normal. Somewhat surely someone else is going to come by. And I think we might be doing that in our churches. We've created this safe place where people come and we're like, we're all, this is supposed to be a hospital for sinners and, we, and then we look around and we wonder why things aren't changing or different and who's going to do that? But you know, the who is you. The church is people. Like, you're the answer. See, the problem is, without other people around, if you would have seen Esmond Green fall in front of you, like in an alley, you would have known it was your responsibility to act, right? If there's no one around, you would just assume that it's your job to act. So we are not here to outsource a mission to a, to a, a committee or discipleship to a, a program, like, we are on mission as a church to be disciples who make disciples. And do not get me wrong, we are a place where you can come for healing and hope and love and support and care. And we love you enough to not let you stay there. So, church, as, as, a, as one, of your, one of your called pastors, um, Ana, get real with you. Uh, this year, Hope Covenant Church is entering its her 15th birthday. In September, it'll be 15 years since she was started. And I am excited about what the next 15 will hold. I think, I think we are in the middle of something awesome. And Bryce shared with us at our congregational meeting the, uh, the, the way that we believe God is calling us to organize this, this body on mission. And he talked about the, the resources we're going to need for that and the people. And the truth is, it's terrifying because there's no way we're going to do it. There's no way we can do it on our own. 
without the power of the Holy Spirit, without every person in here committing to saying, I'm not going to be the 80% that stands by and watches something happen. I am ready to get on the front lines of mission. I want to be used for God's kingdom. I want to see El Dorado changed with the love of Christ because of this church. That, it's going to take you and you and you, you and me. Here's a beautiful thing. You're not alone. You're not alone. I'm going to call our ushers forward and our, uh, our music team as we prepare to collect our morning offering. But I want to ask you a question. And if you're sitting here this morning and you're like, oh my gosh, it's the first Sunday I'm here and I don't know what I believe about all this. I just want to ask you the question. Or maybe you're here and you're like ready for the next thing. But what's stopping you? Like, what is, what's getting in the way of you saying, okay, God, activate that fire in me so I can be used for you and your kingdom? What's stopping you? You are not alone. It is so, it is such an honor and a joy to be on this journey together. But whatever it is, if you've come in this place today for healing, for love, it is here, and you are welcome to it. If you are, if you are on the journey and you've like, I already know, I know, I've, I've got apostolic giftings, I'm ready to start something new in my community, um, what next? I would say bring someone along. Be a disciple who makes disciples. Grab someone. Hey, say, let's, let's talk every week. Let me encourage you and love you on your journey. But let's do this together. Let's pray. God, we thank you so much for the promise of your grace. Thank you so much for giving us your grace, for giving us gifts to, to live fully into the calling you've given us. God, as we sit here and we wonder what it is that you are doing in us and around us and through us, I pray that as we seek your face, it just be made crystal clear. Crystal clear that we are your beloved children. At the basis of who we are, it doesn't matter what we've done or, or, or what we haven't done, God, that just because we are created by you, we are good and made for something beautiful. So thank you so much for that. Thank you for your forgiveness. Thank you for your grace. Thank you for your people. God, we are made for your glory. We know that. We are made for more. And God, we recognize that sometimes it's scary to live into that, the unknown of, of what it would look like, what, what I'm afraid of to change in order to follow you more fully. So God, I just pray that you give us a spirit of faith and not a spirit of fear that you give us the courage to trust you in all it is that we are called to do. Equip us. Give us the courage, God. We love you and we honor you. In the name of Jesus, we pray.